0: Welcome to Carson Chatter, a podcast focused on Carson City, the people who shape it, and the real estate that defines it. I'm Sina Lloyd, Carson City Library Director, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi,
1: I'm Garrett LaPierre, local realtor with Century 21, Jim Wilson Realty. In addition to another great guest interview this week, we have our weekly segments, Community Connections, and LaPierre's Corner.
0: Stay with us, and we'll be right back. (music)
1: Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Stacy Giomi, and Stacy has a long history here in Carson City of, of uh, being involved in the city, and also he's running for supervisor of Ward 1 currently. So welcome to the show, Stacey.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: You betcha. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your involvement in Carson City.
2: Um, okay, great. I, uh, I moved here in high school as a sophomore in the 70s, so I've lived here for Forty one years. Okay. Um, I was the last class at Carson High to go to double sessions, so I uh, I, I went in the afternoons as a sophomore, and uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of miserable to have to go to school all afternoon mm-hmm. and have the morning open, but um, so th- so that was kind of interesting. But uh, uh, I I started uh, <coughs> working for the radio station KPTL and KKBC in the in the late seventies and early eighties, and then I got hired by the fire department in eighty three and. Stayed there till twenty fifteen, and uh, currently work for Nevada Health Centers, which is a statewide nonprofit uh, that provides dental um, and medical um, care to low and no income people, um, as well as to geographically isolated people. So we have clinics in places like Austin and Jackpot and Wendover, where you know there's just not a there's lot of nothing. Services. Yeah, there there are really no medical services
1: absent ours. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. And when you left the fire department, what position were you in?
2: I was the fire chief for the last 10 years and the emergency management director. Wonderful. Um, I held every rank in the department. I started as a dispatcher and left as a firefighter, or a fire chief, I should say. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Okay.
0: Well, um, as Garrett mentioned before, you're running for Ward 1 uh, for supervisor. What made you decide to run?
2: Um, I, You know, I, I think... For me, um, and, and and it seems like everybody says this, but um, <laughs> I think my history proves that that I mean it. I, 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 I feel deeply connected to this community. Um, having gone to high school here, my kids went to high school here, my kids graduated from UNR. Um, I got my AA degree from Western Nevada College. Um, I just, and, and you really, you can't do the things that I did in the fire department and see the vulnerability of people. Um, And intervene on their behalf and try and make things better for them and not feel a deep connection to them so for me it's just it's a continuation of that Um, I am serving people across the state in the job I'm in now um, but I miss serving the people I see in the grocery store every day and Mm -hmm. the people I see walking down the street um, or walking in the park and so for me um, it's just being connected to my community I, I like that, and yeah, what
1: is the one thing that, you, one or maybe two, yeah, that you really want to tackle getting into that into that position?
2: I, I think the, the, the biggest thing, and I know that sort of every board member seems to have their thing. Yes. Um, you know, a, a couple of things that are important to me um, certainly are uh, our, our infrastructure and our taxpayer-owned properties. So that, that not only means buildings, but it means the infrastructure, the stuff in the ground. Um, certainly means our roads. Um, and affordable housing is an issue that I'd really like to to tackle and work with members such as yourself in the community on trying to find a solution um, to that. I, I don't know if we'll find a solution, but work together to improve the situation. Mm-hmm. And the same can be said for roads. But, but probably more importantly, and taking a step back from that, um, I, I'm a strong advocate of good government. And to me, that's that's at the forefront of what will lead my decisions. Um, I, um, Within about a year of me getting made Fire Chief, um, I entered into a cooperative agreement with an adjoining fire district. And it was an effort to drop a boundary that was a political boundary between us and Douglas County. Um, and that was at a time, it was around 2005, 2006, it was a time when the two counties were bickering pretty heavily. Right. Um, and. We, uh, their fire district and our fire department, created this automatic zone where each district would automatically respond into the other's district. Um, Because East Fork, that's the district to the south, was having trouble with getting enough volunteers to come in. And we were having trouble with overloading our call volume. And so we created this automatic system. Um, And we actually won, from the Nevada Taxpayers Association, a Cashman Good Government Award. and uh, we, we won their, they, they give one award a year, and we were the one, the winners of that. So that, uh, you know, really brought home to me the importance of, um, of good government, of, of being a good steward of the money that the taxpayers are investing in their community. Right. So, I mean, that's... Well, and playing nice with your neighbors too is always a good yeah. Thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we got over that, right? Yep. But but yep. you know, you you will probably remember that that there was a period of time there where there was we were fighting for sales tax dollars, mm-hmm. and and you know the whole thing was kind of crazy because Carson City was an export county, still is an export county. Douglas County is an import county uh, of the SCCRT mm-hmm. money, right? And it it, just, it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. We were fighting over the same pool of dollars, Correct. and and so you know I think. I I like to think that the effort that we did with Douglas County there got it got a lot of recognition at the time Um, I'd like to think it opened the door for improving Relationships between the counties, you know, I agree. So
0: So are are there any things that you see now in Carson City That you could kind of apply that same logic to um, if you are elected.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I I think a lot of things we we know We, I think collectively anyone who lives here knows that we're a hub for the four-county region or maybe Mm -hmm. five or six counties When you throw in, you know, Alpine County and you throw in Mono County and you throw in El Dorado County, so We all know I think that we're kind of a hub because of that I mean people come to Costco and then they go eat lunch or people come from Dayton to work for the state I mean the Mm -hmm. state has some what 5,500 employees in Carson, Yep. Um, you know, and not all of them live here, so um, yeah, absolutely. I think that there are regional approaches we can take to solving problems, uh, particularly problems around workforce housing, um, I think around homelessness, um, around social services, because Douglas County doesn't offer the same kind of services that we have here in Carson. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the regional hospital. That, that brings a lot of health care here. Yep. Um, but because of that, it also brings you know indigent care here. And so I I think there's some room for cooperation Mm -hmm. um, between the counties in, in that avenue.
1: I'd love to dig in a little bit deeper with you on, on affordable housing and, and throw some ideas out there of you know how, how we tackle that. Um, so I had some clients that were looking to buy a house. Uh, and this was actually in Lyon County, but same principle applies to Carson City. Uh, doing a no down payment assistance. Um, so, so they pay their closing costs and they have a, a, um, a program that's usually government-backed, USDA, something like that, that pays for the down payment at 3.5%. And they were, going to, they were going to purchase a house at 285000 Their payment would have been 2150 a month at $285,000. And part of that is the down payment assistance program has a higher interest rate than right. what you would get on the open market. Um, so, you know, you start looking at things like that. Well, and, and you have to add utilities
2: mm-hmm. into yes. that because yep. utilities are part of the housing cost. Exactly. Right? When, when, it's, when, you're, when you're doing a loan... It's not only the mortgage payment, but it's the utilities for the home that they're looking at. Right. Exactly
1: right. So, yeah. so add on another $300 right. a month, $250, right. somewhere in there. Um, and yeah, um, in Las Vegas, they have a program that will allow you to get in at 4.5% with the down payment assistance program. But it's only available in Clark, in Clark County. So I think little things like just getting those kind of loan programs available to our areas, whether they're rural or whether they're not, mm-hmm. that's part of the problem with Carson is we're not considered a rural area. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Lyon County and Douglas County gets gets these advantages with these down payment assistance programs. So little things like that, I think, can help. What kind of ideas do you have or, or conversations have you had?
2: So I think, you know, there's a couple of ideas I have. The city owns property in town that um, some of it's across from the corporate yard. Yep. Uh, some of it is down along Brown Street, um, Gordon in that area. Yep. Um, I, you know, we own the property, and I know part of that property um, has some restrictions on it that, that I need to look into a little bit deeper or the DA's office. would need to look into it a little bit deeper. But um, it seems to me that a, a public-private partnership makes a lot of sense, where the city does a long-term land lease, a 50 or 100 year land lease right. on property in exchange for a developer coming in and making a percentage, high percentage of that housing, affordable housing. Yep. Now, I think everyone agrees, and the city has a task force right now working on affordable housing, and I don't wanna you know, uh, undercut whatever they're doing. I think they should continue to study what they're of doing. Of course. But, um, and I know that with workforce housing, the goal is to try and intermix workforce housing with all kinds of housing. So you don't create these um, workforce housing areas where there's a tendency for people to think that they're um, less of a community. You right. know, I, I don't know that I agree with that, but, but you know, there, are, there is that stigma, if you will, attached to it. But I, I don't know that we can always do that. So if we have land sitting there, across from the corporate yard and we were were able to do some public-private partnership where the city offers the land um, and outside of the land value we're not really throwing tax money at it local tax Mm -hmm. money we're offering land to a developer and it's a huge cost in developing is the land value and we may be able to do something with connection fees or something along those lines you know i i um i think that's certainly possible one of those pieces of property that I talked about is in, and I don't know if you're aware of the Opportunity Zone that is, that I recently read a great article in Forbes magazine about it, but um, it's not yet fully in place, but these Opportunity Zones allow investors to take what would be capital gains taxes, roll them into an Opportunity Zone, and and we have a rather large Opportunity Zone here in Carson, basically all of Lompus Field Mm -hmm. and that area across from the corporate yards that I was talking about. Correct. And... um, you you don't get taxed on that capital gain money. It sits there and it can grow in this opportunity fund. If you leave it there for 10 years, it can grow. You don't pay taxes on the growth. And you don't pay taxes on the initial investment until 2026. And when you do, it's reduced by 15%. Wow. And if you roll it back over again at 2026, it again continues. So so the example in, in, the, in the Forbes article that I saw is if someone invested um, – like I think it was $1.2 million. Okay. If they invested in the current system without the Opportunity Zone, um, they would end up with about $1.1 $1. Um, $1 million at the end of a 15-year period. If they invested in the Opportunity Zone, they would end up with about $1.6 or $1.7 million. So it's about a 25 or 30% increase Correct. in their investment over that same period of time. So those Opportunity Zones need to be flushed out a little bit because you have to create Opportunity Zone funds like like a Roth IRA or like a like any kind of fund, mm-hmm. right. um, and those the Treasury Department still hasn't defined all that, you know, according to what I've been able to find out at this point. But you throw those two things together, mm-hmm. and um, <coughs> I think it can go a long way towards trying to help solve that problem. If, if, it if, Might agree. be a longer discussion than than. Than you wanted to have there, but no, no. Yeah, but I think it's important to
1: talk both about both great that. ideas, both great ideas, and, and and I think you know the simple thing of telling a developer, great, you can build you know 150 houses. That sounds good, but you know in, in something like that, you know it, maybe it's 40 percent of them have to be affordable. Right. But you know if you just do regular subdivision houses and say you want to put up 150 units, that's fine. But 25 percent or 15 percent have to be affordable housing. You know I think that's the place that we got to come to as a city government to say, hey, this is going to be the deal because this is how we're going to have. Long-term prosperity for
2: everybody, right. in our town. And and I think I mean obviously you have, you want to be careful because you don't you know you don't want to limit a developer. It's it's their land, it's their money, of course. <laughs> and and you know we we start throwing a bunch of regulations on them about you have to do this or you have to do that, and it it can scare projects away. So it really has to be a cooperative effort with with the developers. They have to be part of that discussion. Um, our taxpayers have to be part of that discussion. And um, and you're right. If if we can't get workforce housing here, then the economy can't grow here because manufacturing requires employers and employees, rather, employees to work there. And if they can't, you know, if they can't afford to live in the community that they're working in, then then that business can't grow. So it really is a cycle that needs to, to work in harmony for, for it to work.
0: Well, and I mean, in the last year, it's gotten that much worse. I mean, I, yeah. I have staff at the library who it's hard for them to afford to live in Carson City. Right.
2: And they make a decent wage. Yeah. Well, and it's it, it you know it turned um, it it turned I think well before the the economy collapse in the late 2000s. I, I mean I when I started working at the fire department and and this is what I liked about Carson and what I think we've lost from our city employees is a lot of them don't live here anymore. Mm-hmm. So when I left in 2015, there were less than 30 percent of the fire department employees that lived in Carson City. Um, I don't know what it is now, but my suspicion is that it isn't much better. Um, you know, when I started working for the fire department in, in the eighties, um, you know, if there was a Little League game at seven o'clock at night, you know, out of the four guys working or five guys working, three of them would have kids playing Little League. Mm-hmm. So you'd take the engine over there at night and you'd go to calls, but you'd you know, you'd be you'd be engaged with the community, right? You'd be and, and that sort of went away because the housing here got too too expensive. Yeah. You know. And then we weren't developing at all. I mean there were no houses for a really long period of time in the nineties. There weren't there weren't subdivisions you know we, we weren't so there was no place for people to live right
1: right so no and, and you bring up a great and project.
2: now it's it's changing sorry to interrupt you i mean it's changing right we have silver oak is growing and and schultz ranch is growing and and um uh, is it ryder homes that's mm-hmm. doing the work over by the high school they're going to start yes. and um you know we've got the project mills landing you units yep. it's all so it, it's, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting to see that we're we're growing and we can provide opportunities for people now to come back and live here.
1: Correct. And getting those different types of housing, you know, because all those projects are a little bit different type of housing. Yeah. And, and I think having a diversity in the type of housing is important for us. Uh, but what you just said is the conundrum for downtown. And, and what we've been talking about for the last five, six years is... That's great that we have restaurants and we have events and we have all those things. But downtown's only really going to flourish when people live downtown. Because right. if all the government workers go back to Dayton or they go to Reno, which you know the the housing affordability thing and they live in Reno, kind of blows my mind a little bit because it's not right. more affordable. It's more out expensive, there. yeah. <laughs> but you, but you, but I think I think Dayton's the one that will really see some growth from having those city employees and state government employees. But I move think that the, the Reno
2: thing is a perception for people, and and it's funny because over the last year or so since. since since the downtown was done, and since some of those new restaurants, the you know the Union and and uh, Social Club and now Gather and and um, I, you know I I was in Reno um, having dinner with a relative that lives up there, and I was listening to someone talk about mm-hmm. restaurants in Carson, and they were saying, yeah, it's great. We're going to try and go down to Carson once a week and have dinner. And it's like, Love it. dang, click. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's. It, it's it's exciting to hear people talk about that, you know, for sure. Um,
1: so, well, in, in the food scene, we've talked about this mm-hmm. on some previous podcasts. Is the food scene is what changed Midtown Reno?
2: Right, no doubt, and, no doubt.
1: And I and I love to see that same thing happening. It's yeah. kind of happening right and
2: now. I, I think it I think it will happen. And I think you, you're starting to see um, the homes in the downtown area sort of undergo a transformation. I mean, you're seeing people. Take was a perfect example, and I, I don't remember the name of the owner. But someone from California is moving in and taking what used to be an office yep. and a historic house over on Nevada, Nevada and Nevada Street, uh, Telegraph, or I don't right remember right across from Artsy Fartsy. However, it, it you know, and they're turning it back into residential. And so, I think, you know, piece by piece, bit by bit, you're going to see that. And, um, you know, I mean, I have I have some friends that live up off of North Mountain Street and Winninger. Up in that area, and you know that that goes through a cycle, and that's starting to come back. People are taking their houses and they're redoing the outside. Yep. They're redoing the yard. They're repainting it. They're putting fences back up. And so those neighborhoods that you know maybe had gotten a little tired over the years are, are starting to get refreshed. You know, yep. You're exactly right. And 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 we need to see more of that in the downtown. Yeah, you know? agreed.
0: So you know we're talking about infrastructure here, and you mentioned it a little bit before, but roads. It's always a topic in Carson yeah. City. What do we do about it?
2: Well, I, there are no easy answers for roads. I mean, we the city tried putting gas indexing on. Um, mm-hmm. Our voters declined that. Um, if that were to come up again, I would certainly support putting it back in front of the voters, um, maybe with a lead-up in terms of education as to why it's needed. Um, I, think, I think beyond that, we have to get a good handle, and, and the city has undertaken this, and I want to see this process finish. A good handle on the infrastructure that we have, whether it be a building or a pipe in the ground um, or our vehicle assets, which I think are well categorized. Um, because you can't know where you have money to spend until you know what you need to spend it on, yeah. right? So if if we have uh, water pipes in the ground that need to be replaced, it, it isn't flashy, it isn't beautiful, but we're talking about drinking water. Mm-hmm. And it, it has to happen. So until we know what you know, we're going to spend there. We can't know if there's excess or extra funds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm using air quotes to say extra funds, but um, so I, I, I think the roads have to be solved at a national or state level. That they, they I, I, I don't know how local government can solve the road problem by itself. I mean, there are more and more electric cars, more and more hybrids. Um, it, those are good things. I mean, I, I think they're good things, but you know, m- m- mopeds. I mean, you go to a big city. And like even Vegas, I spent mm-hmm. a fairly amount of time in Vegas, you see a lot of mopeds on the roads. Well, they're not paying any kind of tax, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're yeah. still using the roads. Yeah. So um, we have to find a solution, um, and I think it has to be it, it has to be a broad decision. I, I mean, I think it's something that has to happen at the state level, whether it's something that you do at a vehicle registration level or something on the national level where we look at, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but I think it has to be at, at that at at a higher level. At our level, um, what can we do? We continue to do band-aids, and we'll have to do that because we have to keep the roads drivable and safe. So, I I mean, I support continuing to do that. Um, We have a VNT bond that is gonna get paid off. I'm going by memory, I think 2024, maybe 2022. um, That's supported by sales tax. um, A quarter, one quarter cent sales tax. Um, Excuse me, one eighth cent sales tax. It's one eighth. I, it's I, I would enter a discussion to potentially use those funds for roads. You're still talking about probably less than two to two and a half million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, not that two and a half million dollars isn't a lot of money, but it doesn't it, do a it, lot it, on it, the road when you when your gap is 15 million or your need is 15 million a year, and that's about what you know the reports I've read from the city have said. It's about 15 million a year. Then the two and a half isn't going to do it either. But it's a little bit more, and, and it's something we can do. Locally, without a, a tremendous amount of effort. Right, agreed. So, um, how do we continue to build on and improve the quality of life init- initiatives that we have in Carson City? Um, I, I think we're on the right track. <coughs> we're continuing to look at um, we're continuing to look at properties, or they are continuing to look at properties. I've, I've been to a couple of board meetings, and they just are in the process of acquiring a piece up in Ash Canyon mm-hmm. that has been. Um, it, it's a high-visibility spot in Ash Canyon. It's that one, for those of you who know Ash Canyon, is the water tanks, and sort of to the north of the water tanks, there's a big mound, a hill that sits mm-hmm. there, and that's privately held land. And um, so they're working on acquiring that. I, I think from the time I was still with the city, um, I was trying to push them into, let's, let's manage and develop the lands that we have. And, you know, we've acquired a lot of land. I don't know that we need to acquire a ton more land. I would like to see us maybe stop acquiring land and start managing the lands that we have. Mm-hmm. And in terms of managing, I'd like to see trail connectivity. Um, and, and there's a unified trails master plan that mm-hmm. the city has. And I think uh, it would be good to fund some of that because one of our greatest assets, as you know, is our outdoor um, uh, environment. I mean, yeah. we've, got a, we've got beautiful outdoors. And... The off-road race that was brought into town um, has highlighted that for a lot of people. And there are people who are, you know, your age, Garrett, my son's age, mid-30s, who are avid outdoor enthusiasts, and they come down and they ride that trail, and they go, oh, my God, this is a this is a great trail. Great. And and whether they ride the trail that the off-road races ride or they ride the Ash to Kings Canyon Trail, um, but we have so many other trail opportunities yeah. um, that I'd, I'd like to see us really focus on connecting those because anyone who rides a bike or walks likes to make a loop or make a connection, yeah. not to go to the end of something and hit a cul-de-sac and come mm-hmm. back, right? Correct. So I'd really like to see us, you know, work on, on that aspect of things. It's a great idea. Oh, and, and
1: I think Epic Rides really hammered home the point of sports tourism if you will of course that you know whether it's biking whether it's baseball whether it's football you know whatever that is you know i'd I'd love to see the city look at you know maybe getting some uh, improvements whether that's at centennial or Edmonds, you know expanding some of those things Um, giving football its own complex where they're not having to share it governors and and you know have some of the disruptions that are there Um, you know there's a lot of kids that play in both those sports and we want to make sure those those kids have those opportunities so i like it
0: okay so you know We've got a couple more questions here for you, and we're good on time. So you work for Nevada Health Centers. What do you do for Nevada Health Centers? So
2: I've done a few different things in the time I've been there. Um, they brought me on as the Director of Emergency Preparedness. We get a lot of federal funds, and so along with that, you have to um, meet certain requirements. Um, Medicare and Medicaid require you to have emergency mm-hmm. plans and drills, and so that was what I was initially brought on to do. Um, But as we started developing that, they gave me additional responsibility. So now I'm the director of facilities and emergency preparedness. So I manage um, all of our uh, property around the state, all of our construction projects, all of our leases, um, all of our maintenance contracts. Um, We have 25 facilities around the state that we either own or lease or get in kind from a county, for Clark County, for instance, or the city of Mm -hmm. Wendover gives us a, a building to use in Wendover. Um, so I do that. Um, I spent uh, about six months as a director of rural operations. So I was running our medical clinics in our in the rural parts of our state. So Carson, Austin, um, Eureka, Crescent Valley, Wendover, Jackpot, Elko, Garland, um, and uh, so I, I spent a good deal of time out there with with those great folks in that part of the state. Um, so so that's it. It's 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 um it's it's a good mission because there are we have about one hundred 160,000 patient visits a year around the state. Wow! Uh, we just got for Las Vegas donated a, a mobile medical unit, a, a doctor's office on wheels. From uh, you might have seen the uh, the Red Nose Days, the yep. Walgreens Red Nose mm-hmm. Days. Yep. So last year's fundraising events from Red Nose Days funded, in in part, among other things, this mobile medical unit for us. So it's a. Didn't f- you almost, drive it
0: back? I did.
2: It's a five hundred thousand dollar unit, um, just under five or four hundred thousand, just under four hundred thousand dollars. Two exam rooms, a laboratory in the middle, and uh, yeah, I got to drive it back from Columbus, me and our, our chief medical officer, who's a pediatrician uh, based mm-hmm. out of Vegas, and um, we made a lot of red nose stops along the way. He's a big red nose advocate, has been involved with them for the years, and in fact, he's written a book on on homelessness and child trafficking. Um, and um, and so that mobile unit's gonna be dedicated to Vegas. Um, we, we, you know, we, we do have a homeless problem here in Carson, mm-hmm. but comparatively, it's nothing compared to yeah. Vegas. A lot of homeless youth in Vegas. Our homeless here in Carson tend to be adults. Um, in Vegas, they tend to be families, and it's 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 sad. It they just don't have the care that they need, and so this mobile unit is um, here in the next week or two should start getting out in the community and seeing these homeless children, and and um, a lot of them are homeless in the sense that they and they don't have a place to live That So it's an obvious statement. But but they're they're functioning homeless. In other words, they, they're going to school and they're but they're not getting their immunizations. And they're you know, there's a high percentage of some of the schools in Las Vegas where kids are on free free breakfast and free yeah. lunch. And so that's where this program will focus on. That's wonderful.
1: And mm-hmm. so in, in, in that work, doing that, you know, what's the one thing you think that you could take to Carson City to help with the homeless population and, and the mental health epidemic that we're facing?
2: Um, I, I think, well, you know, we um, have a, a mental health provider housed at, at our Carson City mm-hmm. Clinic Sierra Health Center. okay, um, And so that's um, an offering that they have. Um, I know that our CEO and I have been speaking to the city on trying to find a way to provide some health care for the homeless. Um, so we're just in the preliminary discussions with them on that. I don't know, I, I don't know where it's going to go, um, and I don't know what we're going to be able to pull off. Because, um, it, it, look, healthcare is expensive. We know that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we still, you know, the, the people that we have, our, our providers, our physicians and nurse practitioners, are not volunteers. They're employees of ours. Um, you know, so they, um, you have to pay them. There's a cost involved in that, right? Correct. And there's a cost involved in medicine and, and um, you know, um, so, so we have to get through that process. And then, you know, if we can qualify some of these folks from Medicaid, if that's available for them, um, if we can get them on a health check or a, a children's health check for the children, um, you know, it, it, it sort of helps pay for that cost, Correct. Um, mm-hmm. you know.
1: So what would be your your and last question we asked we asked everybody this question what's your big hairy audacious goal for Carson City what what would you like to see Carson City have or go through or get through
2: um I, yeah, it's funny i don't I, I don't have a big hairy audacious goal I, here's what i do have i um as i said i've been a resident for for 40 years um there have been periods of time in there where i feel as though um People in town have have had the attitude that I'm okay with mediocrity, and I really, if I could change one thing, it would be that it would be let's let's stop that kind of thinking, right. and let's strive for excellence here. And obviously, that means different things to different people, right? But but if we just all have an attitude that, you know, look, we're we're the capital of the great state of Nevada, mm-hmm. let's act like the capital. Let's um let's strive for excellence let's not suffer through mediocrity so if 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 i could wear my or wear my princess hat and wave my magic wand um i guess that that's what it would be is is it is it let's let's shoot for excellence let's have that goal of excellence in mind and you know um we'll let everyone define what that is for themselves right because it's going to mean different things to different people but um but if we all have that attitude, if we all work towards that in that direction, then then how can we help it improve what, what what we touch each of us every day,
1: right. you know? That, that's a great goal and, and you know, you don't accomplish anything without starting with that mindset of yeah. you know, let's be the best we can be, let's do it to, as good as we possibly can. Yeah. So, yeah. I like it. Thanks for coming on the show, Stacey. Thank I really you appreciate it. Thanks. You, you, know, you definitely know your stuff. You've been around the city. You've been involved. You know, you you, you know what you're doing, and you know the ins and outs of, of not only the budget, but you know where's where and and who's who. And I think that goes a long way in, in you know making good decisions, being a good leader for the city. So well, thank, thank you.
2: That's what I what I hope to do if if, uh, if I'm elected. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. you Bye.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of Carson Chatter. You can subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud apps to get new episodes as they are uploaded.
1: Once you've subscribed, please leave a review as it makes it easier for people to find the podcast. Please engage with us via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by simply searching for Carson Chatter. You can also email us at CarsonChatterPodcast at gmail.com.
0: See you again soon, and please don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast.